is this the part of the play where I steal Jake from Marta? No, Cassie, that's not in the play. It is now. Who said that? Look, I want to say I get it. Oh, I God. understand what you're going I through. I do not want to hear from you. Wait, Hallie steals Marta's boyfriend? I don't know how many times I have to say this. They were not fucking together. Yeah, not only that, but she was fucking him the entire time Marta was talking about getting back together with him. <gasps> Why? Because Hallie's a two-faced cunt. Why? I'm not a cunt. You're the cunt! You're the fucking cunt, bitch! <laughs> Squad. It is your boy Eli. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of EDS Squad After Dark. Yeah, we are here. It is another Friday. It is another start of an amazing weekend. We're going to get into some things today. We have some pop culture tea and gossip. We also have some WWE recaps. And a couple of tea uh, stories that we're going to get into as well. So sit back, stay tuned, stay locked. This is EDS Squad After Dark. We'll be back right after this. Let's get into the mental health check-in. Um, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. Um, God has been amazing this past week. Um, I've literally just been uh, working. If I have to work, if not, I've just been um, chilling, getting things done, um, writing a lot um, in my free time. So, you know, things are going, things are, you know, progressing, things are good. Um, I'm doing good, though. Um, mentally, I'm doing well. Um, emotionally, I'm doing fine. I do have those times where my anxiety does shoot up a little bit, but um, I'm going to be okay. I feel like I am. Um, it is getting up to the day, um, the anniversary of my father's passing um, is creeping up ever so quickly. Um, so I am trying to monitor, you know, just, you know, seeing if I'm good, seeing if the people around me are good, because I wasn't the only person that um, lost someone um on that date so you know i also have to look around me look around my loved ones and see if they're you know good and you know if they're okay um but as for me like i said i'm doing okay i'm just taking the you know these days one day at a time um and yeah i hope you guys out there are doing Amazing. I hope you guys are uh, taking it one day at a time because that's all we can do. You know, we're not super men. We're not super women. You know, certain things we are. But when it comes to our mental health and our mental um, and our emotional uh, health, 
You know, sometimes we get burnt out, and that's fine, and that's D&D. We're human. Um, so I hope you guys are out there doing good and thriving. Um, Black History Month is over, but that still doesn't mean that every day isn't Black History Month, because it is in my household. <laughs> nah, but for real, I hope you guys um, have an amazing start to your march when a new month um so hopefully um you guys are cleaning your slates and picking yourself back up and you know just continuing to do what you have to do out in these streets because it's hard out here for a pimp okay not for real but um without further ado we're just gonna jump into our pop culture tea and gossip section let's get into these damn celebrities y'all all right y'all so let's start it off with um murder inc Elijah, why are you talking about Murder, Inc. in a 2022? Um, because Murder, Inc. apparently is getting ready to drop a five-part docuseries um, set for this summer. So um, the docuseries treatment in Hollywood continues. And next up is one of the most popular record labels of the early 2000s, the Irv Gotti-founded Murder, Inc. It was just confirmed that a multi-part docuseries is currently in the works about the rise, fall, and hopeful redemption of Murder, Inc., the record label that gave us platinum-selling artists such as Ja Rule and Ashanti. Um, Billboard reports that BET is set to tell the story of the legendary hip-hop and R&B label Murder, Inc., courtesy of a five-part docu-series that's described as telling the untold tale of the rise, sudden fall, and redemption of Murder, Inc. records and its founder, Irv Gotti, who also acts as an executive producer of the docu-series. Um, it's set to premiere this summer on the BET Network. It will feature exclusive archival footage and exclusively take viewers behind the scenes through the label's history throughout the last 20 years. Um, speaking about what fans can expect from the documentary, Irv Gotti stated, I got my uh, start. I got to start my record label with Ja Rule by my side. My life was filled with great lows, but I'm not ashamed of those lows at all. Help me make the person I am today. With this documentary series, I plan to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. Um, how y'all feeling? Y'all want to see a Murder Inc. Uh, docuseries? Um, I'm here. I love documentaries. I love. Um, watching behind the scenes things and stuff like that. I'm very uh, intrigued and interested in things like that. Um, my only thing is that I do hope that this docu-series tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, and sometimes, especially when uh, docu-series talks about 
uh, things, or in this case, a record label that had amazing highs, but also had terrible lows. Um, sometimes, even though Irv says that he's not ashamed of his lows, we're going to see how how true that statement is when we see this docu-series. I'm not saying that he's going to take stuff out and switch and turn his, um, turn the narrative, but when you still have issues and problems with uh, fellow artists and fellow uh, label mates, um, it's hard for me to believe that you're going to tell a unbiased uh, story. Um, so we'll see. Um, but I, I, I really don't have any hope in that it's going to be the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Because, like I said, you have issues with other artists that were on your label. And to this day, you still have issues and beefs and problems with those people. So it's going to be interesting to see how... Uh, how honest you're really gonna be about these certain artists but i am gonna be checking it out like i said it's gonna come out this summer on bet so just you know keep checking in with bet and i uh definitely believe that they'll have a release date real real soon um so moving on moving on let's get into tiktok because TikTok, uh, TikTok has been under fire for a really long time, but um, the uh, California Attorney General is launching a nationwide investigation into TikTok's alleged negative impact on children. Um, practically since the beginning of social media platform TikTok, there has been an intense criticism that it has a drastic effect on children and how an official investigation will seek to uncover if those claims are true. According to the recent reports, the California Attorney General has just launched an official investigation to determine if TikTok is to blame for negatively impacting children. Um, the LA Times reports that California Attorney General Rob Bonada Boneda, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name wrong. Um, he has lost, launched a complete nationwide investigation into TikTok and the alleged risk and harm it poses to children. The investigation will include how TikTok has purposely tried to increase the time and frequency that minors use the popular app, um, how much the company is aware of the potential harm it may be causing to minors, and if consumer protection laws have been violated. While giving a statement on this investigation, Bernada said, our children are growing up in the age of social media, and many feel like they need to measure up to the filtered versions of reality that they see on their screens. We know this takes a devastating toll on children's mental health and well-being, but we don't know what social media companies knew about these harms and when. Our nationwide investigation will allow us to get much-needed answers and determine if TikTok is violating the law and promoting its platform to young children. Um, I don't have any kids um, yet because I would like to have children one day, but as of right now, I do not have children. 
So I, I, I really don't like to get into stuff when it comes to parenting and this, that, and the third, because I'm not a parent. But what I will say in regards to this uh, topic and this conversation, it always goes back to parents and making sure that their children are emotionally um, and definitely mentally strong enough to get on social media. And sometimes you may have a child who is a little bit more mature in their early teenage years. And then you have some children that are not. Um, and that's fine because let's keep it a buck. What were we doing at 12 and 13 years old? A lot of us really don't want to go there. But um, it all, it, it deals with the parents. You're, you know your child. You know your if your child is is strong enough to get on TikTok and be able to watch these videos and not really take things at face value. Are you having these conversations with your children as well? Sometimes it's not just you may have a strong uh independent child who is able to get on these platforms but sometimes you have to do follow-ups and you have to keep doing follow-up conversations and follow-up uh going and checking their profiles and seeing what they're getting into and and stuff like that so it's a lot if you want to be that type of parent where you allow your child to get on social media and you're going to monitor them. You're going to have these conversations with them. I'm all for getting on TikTok and all these other platforms. But if you're a parent who's not, who is too busy, because let's, let's be real. We're in, we're in 2022. Parents are busy. Parent, you know, parents got to work two and three jobs just to support their children. So this is not the day and age where a lot of, you know, parents get the luxury of being with their children 24-7. So if you're the type of parent that you're not, you know, around your child 24-7 and you're not uh, regularly checking on their social medias and seeing if they're okay, I I would suggest you not put your child on social media until they are at an age where they can uh, mentally and emotionally be able to uh, handle it. Because it's true, social media is an amazing tool. It does a, a lot for a lot of people, but at the same time, it does a lot of harm for people as well. So it's honestly, I'm saying all this to say, it's honestly um, a parent uh, choice and it definitely depends on each individual child. Um, But it's gonna be interesting to see where this case goes. I'm gonna be uh, following it to see um, if it has any legs, um, but it's, it's, it's a definitely a conversation that we need to have in totality. We need to have these conversations about social media. And when is it appropriate to have your child on social media? You know? 
But moving on, I want to give a congratulations to the living legend, Mary J. Blige. She is, uh, according to reports, to executive produce a lifetime filled a lifetime film inspired by her classic hit record, Real Love. Um, so according to Deadline, Mary will executive produce the film, which has been titled Real Love via her Blue Butterfly production banner. The song, which was released in 1992, appeared on Mary's debut album, What's the 411? Tanya Lopez, the easy... EVP of scripted content at Lifetime and Lifetime Movie Network said, Mary is one of those phenomenal talents that can do it all. And we are so thrilled to be able to partner with her again on this new opportunity to bring her music to life in form of a movie that we know audience will love. Um, I'm happy. You know me. <laughs> Mary J. I already know how it gives it up with Mary J. So you already know I am definitely going to be uh, following this story and definitely um, watching. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. And yeah, so are you guys excited for this new film that's based on Mary J. Blige's career or her song, excuse me, Real Love? Let me know. Um, We're going to take a break. I'm going to take a short little break. And when we come back, we still have to talk about Kim and Kanye. Uh, we're going to discuss the Texas governor, Greg Abbott. We're also going to talk about the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis. Um, these fuck niggas got a uh, child. We're going to get into it. So stay tuned. Stay locked. We'll be back right after this. And we are back. All right, y'all. So let's get into the next story. So the next story, we're going to talk about uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, He is in the media because... After having one of the most deadliest states when it came to COVID-19, you would think maybe I would just mind my fucking business when it comes to the mask mandate. But, of course, the Republicans can never um, just sit there and eat their food or, in his case, stand there and do his job. Um yeah, I'm going to play the clip of what he said to these uh, teenagers. Um, and then we'll get into, you know, we'll get into it, yeah. So this is a clip of uh, Ron DeSantis scolding um, students for wearing face masks in public. I mean, please take it. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So, if you want to wear it, fine, but this is a, this is ridiculous. All right. Well, it's good to be at USF. So, y'all heard it. Um, 
I'm not spending too long on this story or the next story because, child, let's be real. But what I will say is this. Um, If I was one of these uh, students' parents, (laughs) uh, child, um, it would have been on a crack of lacking um, for me personally. Um, y'all parent the way y'all want to parent, but for me, it would have been an issue. And 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 honestly, it would have been an issue because who the fuck are you to tell my teenage son <laughs> or daughter to take off a mask during a pandemic when? It's obvious you don't care about the COVID-19. It's it's obvious, which, you know, okay. There was... (laughs) Mm. Sadly, y'all don't even be the ones that catch the COVID-19. And sadly, y'all don't be the ones that have the complications due to the COVID-19. But y'all not about to put me, my child, and my household in risk because you feel that this COVID is a theater act or whatever. Like, you did not have one of the highest number of infection rates and deaths. It just doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes I feel like we be living in a parallel universe. But at the same time, I get hit back into reality. And it just goes to show that these leaders aren't shit. They don't give a fuck about none of y'all. So the ones that be voting for these fuck niggas, they don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about your children. They don't care about the schools. They don't care about the... They don't care about anything but themselves and what is going to better and make them more rich. It's disgusting, it's tired, and honestly, Ron would have had to come see about me. Talking to my children, first of all, (laughs) you wouldn't be talking to my children anyways, but even if you were in the same vicinity as my child, you're not telling my child to take off their mask. And then on top of that, there was probably like one or two people one or two students that didn't take off their mask. Shout out to them. Shout out to their parents for raising them to. And it's not a thing. And it's not a whole matter of respecting elders and um, being respectful to people that are older than you and this, that, and the third. It, it It's more like. If an adult is telling you to do something and you know it's not right, don't do it. No matter how old this person is, what position they're in, if you know it's not right, don't do it. And shout out to them. And and, and, I, and I feel bad for the students that were kind of like thrown off guard and was kind of nervous and scared and just took it off out of nervousness. I've been there as well. And we just got to do better. 
as a country. But Florida, y'all, y'all show time and time again. And I have family that lives in Florida. So when I say this, you know, I I I, I love the people that <laughs> that live in Florida. Um, Cause I, like I said, I have family and loved ones that live in Florida. But at the same time, Florida ain't shit. It, it ain't shit. It hasn't been shit um, for a really long time. And honestly, the way that y'all keep picking these leaders in y'all state, I don't see Florida being shit in the near future. Um, it's tired and through. It's t- it's tired. Like it's tired. It's tired. And Governor Ron DeSantis, fuck you. Um. Hopefully COVID don't catch you. But nine times out of 10, you probably have the vaccine because granted, the same ones that be telling y'all fuck niggas to not get the vaccine, to not wear no mask, to not do this, that, and the third, they be behind the scenes doing everything under the sun to protect themselves from COVID, which includes getting the vaccine. So y'all can sit up here and believe and and, and, and fall for these <laughs> for these uh, political figures that have y'all hoodwinked into believing that this isn't a ba- a crazy virus and the vaccine is this and the vaccine is that. I guarantee you. of those political figures have the vaccine and have had the vaccine since the beginning, but they are bullshitting y'all. But that's another story for another day. Fuck you, Ron DeSantis. Go to hell. Next case. All right, so continuing on with the fuck shit, these tired-ass governors... We have another governor to bring up as well, and that is um, Governor Abbott, the Texas governor. Another state that can go to hell, another state that ain't shit, ain't gonna be shit. And if y'all keep continuing to pick the same governors and leaders, y'all are continuously not gonna be shit. Um, so the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, is being sued for trying to criminalize the treatment of transgender children with gender dysmorphia, dysphoria, excuse me, gender dysphoria. So let me back up a little bit before we get into the lawsuit and the senator. So basically what Texas governor Greg Abbott is trying to do is he's trying to block uh, children from uh, transitioning. That means getting hormones, getting the reassignment surgery, et cetera, et cetera. But what y'all, and this is where, and and I blame the media because y'all do, the media does this all of the time. They only only take out the bits and pieces. So they're only giving y'all this information, but not also giving you guys the, the, the continued information that even when these people turn 18, in Texas, they can't go and say, hey, I'm a transgender woman, I'm a transgender man, 
and I want to start getting my hormone, my hormone, hormone treatment and my hormone therapy and my reassignment surgeries. You're still not going to be able to do that. In fact, they're going to classify you as mentally disturbed and that's even more blocking and more red tape you got to go through to get to where you want to be so this doesn't stop when you're a children child this is basically that's basically the beginning like you can't come to texas saying that your child is this that and the third and even when your child gets to the age of 18 they're still not going to be able to get these resources so it's a lot of that going on. And I, I didn't even mention that Florida as well has a you can't say gay uh, bill that, you know, is making their way around. Uh, it's basically they can't teach sex education. Uh, well, they can teach sex education, but they can't teach any uh, gay sex education, which in, in, in to get off of Texas for one split second. I feel like if you can't talk about gay sex education, why are we talking about straight edu sex education? If you don't want to talk about sex education in all its many forms, sex education does not need to be in the school, period. Period. And this is a whole thing. This is my thing with with Abbott. Texas, and not only Texas, this whole country has millions and millions upon million things to worry about. Poverty, homelessness, jobs. Our school system is shot to shit after the pandemic. It really wasn't doing too well before it, but the pandemic literally eviscerated it. All of these real ass problems, and, and out of every problem, you're sitting here worrying about a parent's choice, a, parent's, a parent and their child's joint decisions. And y'all be the same ones going and look. Y'all be the same ones that be dragging and saying, oh, we don't want gay this, this, that, and the third. But y'all be the main ones hitting up the prostitution lines for the gays and for the transgenders. Make it make sense to me. I'm I'm sick and tired of these politicians. I'm sick and tired of them because they're, they're, <laughs> their minds are disgustingly warped. Their minds are... <laughs> and they do it on purpose. Like out of everything, like I said, out of everything you can discuss and talk about and make better, you sit up here and worry about the LGBT community. It really shows where where you're at mentally. Like I said, you may not agree with it. Do I agree with you know children under the age of eighteen have taking hormones and doing the reassignment surgery? For me personally, I feel like you can wait until you're eighteen. But at the same time, I'm not somebody that uh, battles with gender dysphoria. 
So I can't really say what this person's mindset or mind or like what I, I can't. But what I'm just saying is that personally, I feel like you can wait to 18. But that's my opinion. My opinion is not fact and it's not gospel. And if you're a parent who feels like your child, this, that, and the third, I believe that is your right. I, I, I truly do. Because I suffered growing up being one way when I knew I was the other way. So I can just imagine a child growing up in a body that they know that is not theirs. They're not supposed to be in. But it just pisses me off that these politicians, the same politicians that hunt for these gay boys and these transgender men and transgender women to fuck on the side in private be the same ones in these courthouses trying to take out the gay and the lesbians and the transgender people. It doesn't make sense to me. It never has. And I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. Greg Abbott, go to hell and burn. And anybody that's in that same company as them, Mr. DeSantis, can burn as well. Next case. So, yeah, um, Kim, Kim Kardashian. Congratulations to her. She's officially declared single amid the divorce from Kanye West. So a judge has declared Kim as legally single, and she'll be going back to her maiden name and dropping West. So basically, for people that don't understand this, basically the court decided that Kim and Kanye are single. So that means that she can take her uh, maiden name off. Excuse me. She can get her maiden name back. And she can be able to like tax documents, court documents, state documents, federal documents, any type of document that's official, she can put a uh, single instead of being married because she's officially legally single. Um, so right now the divorce is now final. They have to go through the assets and they have to go through uh, the custody um, arrangement with the children before the divide the excuse me before the divorce is official officially final yeah i'm tongue tied tongue tied today and i don't know the fuck why <laughs> i wish i knew and then i can tell y'all why but i don't but shout out to kim um because that man has been harassing her for weeks and it's absolutely positively disgusting all right, y'all, so we're going to take a small break, and when we come back, we're going to get into our TV segment. We're going to talk about Euphoria, the season finale. Oh, child, we're going to talk about Euphoria, the season finale. All things Euphoria, the season finale. And we may talk about a couple more shows as well. So stay tuned and stay locked. We'll be back right after this.
And we're back. So let's get into this entertainment yeah, segment, this TV segment. So euphoria. Euphoria, 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 child. Did it take y'all out? So for anybody that is a euphoria stan and have not watched the episode, which at this point, I don't know why you have not watched the the latest episode. Um, I'm going to give you a couple seconds to fast forward this segment so you don't get any spoilers because I'm, this is going to be a spoiler filled, um, review. So I'm gonna give you a couple seconds. Okay, so you guys, you know, I'm not going to give you guys all that many time. All right, so episode eight, which was the season finale, and it was titled All My Life, My Heart Has Yearned for a Thing I Could Not Name. This episode was amazing, sad, happy. And angry. Like, I feel like I experienced every last emotion during this episode. Um, let's talk about Fexy for a minute. Fez and Lexi. Seeing this episode really made me fall more in love with these two characters. And it also made me sad for these two characters. And, of course, it made me happy because, of course, you know, I love me some Fez. Shout out to Fezco. And I love, and Lexi, I'm I'm learning to, you know, like, at, at the end of the day, Lexi, I will stand you forever for this play because, my girl, you did the damn thing. But, like I said, I'm, I'm growing to, uh, like, Lexi and, you know, like I said, Fezco is everything. Um... This episode was, you know, a lot about them, and I just loved how, even though we didn't know, um, they have been talking to each other a lot ever since, you know, they met and, you know, got to know each other briefly at the New Year's Eve party. Like, going to bed on the phone with each other, talking about dreams and aspirations for each other. It just was, like, I'm just sitting <laughs> in my bed watching it, just cheesing mad hard. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy. And Fez is just such a, like, even though he's in this very toxic, deadly, and destructive world that is a drug uh, game in the drug world, um, Fez is such a light, like, he, like, he just wants better for himself, you know, I just loved the conversation he had with Lexi, saying how he wanted to, uh, live on a farm, and, you know, uh, have kids, and have a family, and stuff like that, like, it, it, it's just, it, I, I'm telling you guys, I was just in my room cheesing mad hard, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Fez. Um, 
And then Lexi with her very meticulous plan um, after she graduates and how she wants to uh, have a family and be a mother. And she's just very specific in what she wants to do and how long she wants to do it. And to this age, to that age, like it, it, it it's, it's very ambitious, but it, it, it's it's very ambitious. It's ambitious, excuse me, and it's very teenage high school. Uh, I'm about to leave for college type of rhetoric. Like, I I have to say, I feel like if not everybody, a large portion of you know teenagers have those times where they dream about what they want to do who they want to be in society, um, if they want to be married, and if they do, how many kids, and this, that, and the third. You know, you always have those dreams. But as uh, she will see and as we know, life has a very strange way of keeping you on your toes. And to expect the unexpected, because you just never know. Um but as we get into the high school and we go back to the play, um, we seen on the last episode that Cassie was unhinged after Nate breaking up with her over the uh, the number that Lexi put on regarding Nate. <laughs> um, Cassie storms into the auditorium and she interrupts the play, which I knew she was going to do. Um, and this is my thing with Lexi. I mean, with Cassie. Granted, there were certain scenes and certain things I felt like Lexi took overboard. But at the same time, you can't discredit her experiences and what she went through because you were being a whore instead of like how can you be mad at at Lexi for telling the story about her life and all is truth but not be mad at how you were acting during that time period like you're so caught up in Lexi, quote unquote, betraying you, and Lexi, quote unquote, airing out your dirty laundry. You're not sitting there and reflecting and saying, "Damn, I was this close to Ka- I was this close to Maddie. Me and her was like sisters. Me fucking her man, her ex boyfriend is a fucked up and shitty thing. Maybe I need to reflect." And this, that, and the third. Oh, I treat Lexi like shit. Maybe I should treat her. But Cassie is incapable of looking at herself. She's incapable of looking at herself and figuring out that my 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 my, my girl. We we need a change. We we need to you know do things better. She's incapable. And if anything, she reverts back to being the victim. Cassie loves playing the victim. She loves having the victim mentality. And at this point, it's sad and it's disgusting. 
because you embarrassed your sister. You embarrassed yourself, first off. Like, if you weren't already embarrassed with the stuff that Lexi was showing throughout her play, you damn sure was embarrassed getting on that stage and acting a plum fool. And then there was a part within the play, excuse me, within her speaking, when she says that if I'm going to be the victim, I mean, excuse me, if I'm going to be the villain, if y'all want me to be the villain, so be it. I'll be the villain. But as soon, as soon as Maddie spoke, that's when her mind clicked, was like, bitch, I I, I can't be the villain. Because I... See, Cassie the type to talk that shit, but don't really live that shit. Like, you have talked hella shit about Maddie. You have said that you don't mind being a victim, and you don't mind shaking tables, and this, that, and the third. But as soon as Maddie comes into your presence, as soon as somebody's talking about Maddie, as soon as Maddie is around, you are hushed. You, you go back into that victim mentality. You go back into the excuses and the lies. Her and Maddie went back and forth. And then she, you know, long story short, Maddie gets on the stage and they start tussling. And Maddie smacked the shit out of her. And I was in my room happy as fuck. I, I, I've been waiting for Maddie to beat the fuck out of this bitch. Because it's not even the fact that you stole this girl's man and lied about it for months and weeks and stuff like that. It's the, like I said earlier, it's the fact that you talked hella shit about Maddie. Oh, y'all toxic. Oh, y'all toxic together. Oh, she's not good for you. And, oh, uh, I'll be the villain. If I got to be the villain, I'll be it. Da, 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 da. But as soon as old girl steps, you is a pussy ass bitch. I mean, I have nothing for you. I just need your ass to catch this fade. And that's what she did. Um, <laughs> that's what she did. Um, so then we go back into the Fez, Faye, Ashtray, and Custer, uh, storyline. And basically Custer is there to finish up his, uh, informant duties and being a fucking rat. Um... Faye, love you, girl, and you came through at the at the in the end. But I I I, I needed you, old girl, to uh, have came in a little bit earlier because had you told Fez what Custer was up to, I'm pretty sure he would have relayed the message to Ashtray, and the situation would have went about a little bit differently. But it is what it is. Um, Faye ends up tell, uh, signaling Fez that something's going, you know, he's recording you. Fez got it. Long story short, Faye tries to help and say that Lori was the killer and not, uh, Fesco and Ashtray. And it ended up turning into, uh, Ashtray being the impulsive person that he is. Ashtray is, Ashtray is one of my faves, but he's very impulsive. 
very, 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 very impulsive. And like I said, his impulses uh, ended up uh, killing Custer, which I was not sad to see him go. You're a fucking rat. Um, so you deserve to be under the ground with Mouse. Um, and then the police raided. The police raided uh, Ashtray, went in the bathroom with him and his many guns and started a a police shootout. I mean, a shootout with the police, excuse me. Um, It was very sad to watch. It was very sad to see Fez. um, He got shot and he was trying to tell his brother to stop and... It, it was just it was just a really sad scene and um ashtray ended up faking out um he killed the police officer and then um he was killed and that i was sad i i really was because you know like i said ashtray is one of my faves very very loyal but like i said he's very impulsive at the same time and i knew that his impulsiveness was going to be his downfall and it ended up being that um on the other side of things we see cassie and maddie and cat and bb in the uh, bathroom, Cassie is beat the fuck up, as she should. Beat the fuck up, bloody nose, hair all fucked up, just fucked up. Okay. And she says, uh, you want to know what's funny is, you know, before all of this even took place, Nate broke up with me. And Maddie says, this is only the beginning. And what I took from that is that, girl, he he didn't really break up with you. This is just this is just stop one on the Nate Express. So get ready, my girl. You wanted this life, you gonna get it, and you gonna get it abundantly. Um, is what I got from Maddie saying that simple line. Um. So it's going to be interesting to see where their relationship and what happens next between all of them. Because that was the last time we seen Maddie, Kate, excuse me, Maddie, Kat, and Cassie, and BB. Um, so then we go into uh, Rue, and her and Jules have a conversation. Jules is just sorry for, you know, everything that happened, and she still loves her. And I just loved this scene because Rue is, I think Rue is over the Jules uh situation i think she she was in it you know she learned from it she got her t-shirt from it but she's over it and it's not that she hates jewels because i don't think she hates jewels i just think that the relationship it was what it was and you can't you can't go after all of this you can't go back and jewels should have a little bit more self-respect and the fact that you shouldn't even want to go back to a situation like that, knowing that your partner wasn't clean the whole time y'all was together. And y'all were, like, 
honestly, if my partner had a drug addiction and they were battling it the whole relationship, I would really question if that person really wanted to be with me or if they wanted to be with me because of the addictive quality that they're so used to having. So it's time for Jules next season to get a little bit more self-respect and to grow a little bit more because that you shouldn't even want it to be introduced back into that. Granted, you may love the person, but you can also love the person from a distance. And that's what Rue needs at this time. She needs love from a distance. And she needs to repair and rebuild her life back to where she wants it to be and who she wants to be moving forward. And um, the the episode ended with Rue basically saying that she was clean throughout the rest of the year, um, and that you know it's it's hard. But she's still taking it day in and day out. You know, she's taking it one step at a time. And um, it was a good episode. Granted, we did not need that Elliot five-year single. <laughs> we, we did not need that. But um, through and through, the episode was amazing. And I am sad to see Euphoria go uh, for the time being. There will be a season three. Um, people are saying 2024 is when we'll get season three, and I'm disgusted. But I figure, hell, waited for the second season of Euphoria, waited for Atlanta, waited for all these other TV shows that took 500 years to be made. P-Valley is one. So I might as well, you know, hold out until 2024, God willing. Um, but speaking of other TV news, like I said, P Valley um, came out with a trailer. Oh, well, not a trailer, a teaser. Um, they will be coming. Their second season will be dropping this June. Um, so shout out to P Valley. Um, I did not watch the new episode of Bel Air yet, so I can't give you my thoughts and opinions on it. Um, the Proud Family, louder and prouder, amazing episode. Um, just an amazing episode. And on top of, uh, speaking of Proud Family, is Maya Kiki Palmer's character gonna be a villain? Because I didn't like how she teamed up with La Siena the the last episode. Like that wasn't like that was like how are you supposed to be a real ass bitch, but you sitting here committing fraudery with La Siena? It didn't make sense to me. So Maya, girl, I- I'm going to give you a couple more episodes to see if you're going to clean up your act. But right now, I ain't feeling you, girl, because you're not matching up with what you're saying. How you this real ass bitch, but you letting La Cienega do this fraudery, knowing that that dude really want a penny. Make it make sense. But that's neither here nor there. So tell me what y'all watching. Tell me what y'all li- listening to, what y'all watching out there. And, you know... If I watch it as well, or if I'm intrigued enough, I will definitely watch and give my thoughts and opinions on it. Um, So stay tuned, stay locked. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get into all things WWE. We're going to get into the recaps. We're going to get into some tea. So stay tuned, stay locked. This is EDS Squad After Dark.
And we are back. So without further ado, let's get into our WWE segment. Ow. Ow. All right, y'all. So first things first, let's talk about SmackDown from last Friday. Let me pull up my recap. All right. So, SmackDown, how did y'all feel about it? (laughs) Uh, For me, SmackDown is um, hit or miss. It's been hit or miss um, these last couple weeks. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Raw, to me, has been increasingly getting better. Um, Whereas SmackDown is a toss-up. You just don't know. It's just been a a little weird. But um, if you guys are excited, Johnny Knoxville is back. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. Johnny Knoxville is back. Um, here, okay. So this is what I'm thinking with the whole Johnny Knoxville thing. Johnny Knoxville, Sami Zayn, y'all already know. I think that they are going to eventually, either it's gonna be this week or next week, they are going to announce uh, Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville for the Intercontinental Championship. Usually, I would be like, we don't have time for championship matches with celebrities, the Satnik third. But they have been putting a lot of time and a lot of effort into this feud. So, we'll see what's going to take place. And mind you guys, that is an alleged. We don't, I don't know if they're going to end up making... Um, that match a singles title match i don't know but um okay so michael cole interview ronda rousey to kick off this show i like a lot of people are not really liking um ronda's i'm a little uh what's the word i want to say uh how do i want to say this I'm a little confused of what Ron, why Rhonda's back. Um, and I, I really want to think that it's the writing. Um, because I don't want to think Rhonda <laughs> is like because her first run was deep, like it was really good. Her first run was really good. Like, she was this ass kicker. She wasn't taking no shit from nobody. She was just beating bitches' asses. And this time around, of course, they want to do something different. They want to go a different route, of course. 
it's just not convincing. Like, I'm not sold on Charlotte. Like, I know Charlotte versus Ronda is going to do amazing at WrestleMania, of course. Two of the most amazing athletes ever going head-to-head. But I'm not, as a story and as storyline-wise, I'm not convinced in Charlotte versus Ronda because there really has been no story. Or if there is a story, Naomi and Sonya Deville's story is kind of overshadowing this title feud. Because like I said, Ronda, Sonya... Uh, eventually shows up um, to help Flair with a sneak attack. And um, Ronda fought her off. Um, and now, tonight, or by the, t- by the time this episode comes out, you guys would have already seen Ronda Rousey versus Sonya Deville. So, I mean, shout out to Sonya because I know she always wanted to work with Ronda. Back from the Total Diva days, she always wanted to work with her. So, it's, it's going to be interesting to see that. But, um, I don't know. Like, I just feel like Sonya Deville and now Naomi has kind of stepped out of it. And I'm going to tell you guys why in a minute. But, um, Rhonda, I mean, excuse me, Sonya is definitely in this situation heavily. Um, next up was the Los Authorios. They scored a win over the New Day. Um, y'all already know how I feel about the New Day and how they have literally just, I'm not going to go in it. Uh, Los Authorios, uh, scored a win over the New Day. Um, Zia Lee, um, wrestled on the show. Um, she fought Natalia. It was a it was a pretty good match. I really liked it. Some spots. Zia Lee is gonna be an issue, a problem if WWE pushes her. She is definitely going to shake shit up. Um Sasha Banks returned. Um my my fave. If nobody knows, uh Sasha Banks is my fave. Um she scored a win over Shotzi. Um and Naomi was out on commentary, and she came in, and Team Bad is back, y'all. Team Bad is back. Sasha Banks and Naomi um, are challenging Queen Zelina and Carmella to a women's tag team title match at WrestleMania, and I believe that that match has been confirmed. Um, And then we had the Drew McIntyre and Mad Cat Moss, and now uh, Drew and Happy Corbin are—they are all but confirmed. No, they're confirmed. They're confirmed for WrestleMania. Um, like I said, SmackDown was okay. It had a couple of bright spots, but okay. As for Raw, this past Monday. Um, we had Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins versus the Alpha Academy. That match was really, really good. I enjoyed. Okay, so Raw has some good matches. 
before I get into the uh, the show, Raw has some incredible matches, and I'm loving how they are giving these matches time. Like I have a lot of these matches have been like. 10 minutes or more and i am loving it is showing off the amazing athletic abilities that these wrestlers have and it's also t- telling stories within these matches so that's what i have to say first and foremost but like i said kevin owens and seth rollins defeated the alpha academy i thought that match was an amazing match um Next week is going to be a triple threat tag team match. It's going to be the Alpha Academy versus Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins versus RK Bro. Um, next up is Omas. He defeated T Bar after a choke bomb. He literally came out and eviscerated T Bar. Um, next up, it was a six man tag, a six woman tag. Um, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, and Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch. Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H. Uh, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, and Rhea Ripley defeated the Lather. Um, when Bianca Belair hit Nikki A.S.H. with a K.O.D., Lynch left the match after Belair used her hair to whip her torso. And like I said, they gave this match time, and there was a story. The story was Bianca's hair. Becky Lynch kept going for her hair, kept using her hair as a weapon, kept using it against her, this, that, and the third, until Bianca got tired of it and gave her the whipping of her life. <laughs> she, the yo, the first whip, I, I still keep going back and forth if it was script, like if that was a sound effect or if that was really what happened. Because that whip, it felt child, but I seen the the scars and the bruises. Yeah, Becky Lynch got whipped. Um, so we're gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what comes from that match and that um situation between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Uh, moving on to Mosa Champa defeated Robert Rue via pinfall. Um, Dana Brooke and Reggie defeated Tamina and Akira Tozawa via pinfall. At this point, people are, like, every review I've seen, anybody that recaps Raw, anybody that talks about the 27 championship, they all say the same things. And for me, I know what the 27, 24-7 uh, championship means. It's honestly a comedy bit. It's nothing really too much serious. Like the storyline is lighthearted, fun, and funny. That's all I give towards it. If you are, are a type of person who is giving more to it, you're going to be upset. You're going to be angry because you're giving more than what I believe Vince and the writers are giving. Um, at this point when it comes to the 24-7 championship. Um, moving on, the Hurt Business, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander defeated the Mysterios, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio via pinfall. Um, then next up, we had the Street Profits versus RK-Bro. Um, the Street Profits ended up defeating RK-Bro via pinfall. Um, okay, so Montez Floyd hit Randy Orton with a frog splash. It looked like he landed on Randy a little bit weirdly, 
and it kind of, I don't think it injured Randy, but I think it took the wind out of him. Um, Orton tried to get his foot on the bottom of the rope, but Angelo Dawkins prevented it, uh, resulting in a win with the Street Profits. So shout out to the Street Profits. Um, a couple of key highlights from Monday Night Raw. There was a United States Championship match. Um, Damian Priest versus Finn Balor. Finn Balor wins. Um, Balor and Priest went back and forth in a solid match with Priest nearly retaining the title with a South of Heaven choke slam. However, when Priest tried to follow up with the reckoning, Balor countered and hit it with a shotgun drop kick before nailing Priest with the coup de grace for the three count to win the title. After the match, Priest told Balor that the crowd carried him to win the title. Priest then completely, you know, he turned heel. So Damian Priest is a heel, and I am fucking excited for a heel Damian Priest. I have been waiting for a heel Damian Priest for so fucking long. Like, they teased it at uh, Elimination. Like, they've been teasing it for so long. I am so excited that now I think he's going to be a heel. So we're going to see how Damian Priest's heel turn goes. Um, And another person that turned heel, Edge. Edge brutally attacks AJ Styles. So Edge closed the show with the follow-up of his previous week challenge um, to someone to step up and face him at WrestleMania. Um, AJ Styles came out. Um, AJ said he he accepts. Um, Edge said he wants the bulldog version of Styles, not the version who played tag team bitch to Omas. Uh, Edge offered a handshake, but instead dropped Styles with a punch. Um, drawing Styles to respond with some shots of his own before Edge ducked out of the way of a phenomenal forearm and hit Styles with a kick to the groin. Edge continued the attack before leaving the ring and grabbing a set of chairs. Edge hesitated, but ultimately just delivered a pair of concertos to Styles in the show went off the air. I it was waiting for an Edge. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Edge. He's an amazing character, amazing wrestler. And I loved his face work. But anybody that knows and has followed Edge's career, they know Edge is a motherfucking beast when he's a heel so i am excited to see like and granted i know a lot of people complain that there's a lot of heels that in fact (laughs) people will argue and say that there are more heels than faces at this present time but these two heel turns they needed to happen for whatever reason they needed to happen so i'm here for it um, some WWE tea that I want to give you. It's a couple of things. It's nothing crazy. Uh, this week it was announced on the Pat McAfee show that Vince McMahon will be inducting the Undertaker in the Hall of Fame. So shout out to Undertaker for again, uh, being inducted in this year's uh Hall of Fame. And shout out to Vince McMahon for being the person to induct him. I already know that they have lots of stories to tell. Um, If people don't even understand the magnitude of the relationship, 
Vince McMahon and Undertaker had this unspoken, like he said he never had a conversation with the Undertaker regarding going to WCW. And mind you, if you were alive back in the 90s, you would know it was WWE versus WCW. And it was a lot of jumping back and forth. Wrestlers leaving the WWE, going to WCW, because at that time, WCW was ran by a multi-millionaire, billionaire, Ted Turner. And he had had access, like you, child, the, the contracts that some of these wrestlers were given that were revealed later on in life. I see why a lot of people jump ship to WCW. It made sense. Like, it was guaranteed money. And WWE was kind of fledgling a little bit at that time. So I'm saying all I have to say, The Undertaker, one of the biggest names in the wrestling industry. He could have went to WCW. Of course, WCW would have loved it having The Undertaker. But The Undertaker was loyal, and he was honorable, and his loyalty it showed in his career. And if anybody, because I, I, I was kind of stuck on who should induct him, I was saying maybe Kane, maybe some, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I, I just thought of so many different other people. But seeing that it's going to be Vince McMahon, it, it's rightfully so. And he's in a company because Vince McMahon don't be inducting everybody. (laughs) I think the only person he inducted besides who um, the Undertaker, who he's going to induct in a couple weeks, he inducted Stone Cold Steve Austin, which, again, makes perfect sense as to why he would induct Stone Cold Steve Austin as well. So I'm excited to see. I love the Hall of Fame. I love hearing the the behind-the-scenes stories. I love giving these wrestlers who have paved the way. And, you know, I just love giving them their flowers while they're here. Um, so shout out to The Undertaker. Shout out to Vince McMahon. Um, speaking of which, Vince had an interview with Pat McAfee uh, this past Thursday. And he talked about a lot of things. And Vince McMahon is uh, a person who doesn't really do interviews like that. Like, Vince really don't be out here like that. So to get an interview with Vince McMahon, I know was an honor, but still, like, in itself. And he talked about a lot of things. He talked about, you know, him taking a chance on himself and it paying off. Um, he talked about WrestleMania and the origins of WrestleMania, where he had not one penny to his name uh, before WrestleMania. WrestleMania was literally a gamble, and if WrestleMania wouldn't have uh, succeeded, there wouldn't have been a WWF. Um, you know, he talked about... Um, people's perception of him and how he had to kind of step away from people's perception. He, he kind of doesn't really care no more. People think he's an asshole or think he's a, you know, piece of shit or whatever, you know, he can't change people's perception. Um, and he's fine with that in his age now. Um, 
he says he still works out every like every day and it's just so interesting like i always wonder because vince is so hands-on with this company i'll be wondering that when do they be having the time to do anything because mind you vince is on the road with the wrestlers he's going to every um every raw t taping every smackdown taping like he is in he's everywhere like he's with these people 24 7. so it's like when does he have time to himself but you know he says he tries to uh you know have time to himself he says if anything you know he works out and you know that's you know something that he enjoys doing and just standing there and i didn't know uh vince is 76 years old like crazy like i didn't know i knew he was up there but i didn't know he was uh 76 years old and um uh mac pat uh brought up wrestlemania 38 and asked vince if he thought he'd be doing stuff like this when he was a kid um vince doesn't like that think like that but he did not think he'd be doing this so basically, you know, he always knew that he wanted to be in professional wrestling, but he didn't know it was going to be at this magnitude. Uh, Vince said he doesn't think in terms of ceilings or milestones or pats on the back. He just thinks of something and does it. Um, they talked about the Peacock Net WWE Network deal and said that it was given to them by Comcast. Basically, Comcast offered them a net, um, a a, a subscription-based platform. Um, they wanted complete control of certain things, and y'all know Vince. Y'all know Vince does not put control in nobody's hands regarding the WWE, so they turned that down, and they ended up creating their own network, and y'all already knew how to, what the, you know, the WWE network did amazingly well, and it ended up giving them this much access so Peacock can take interest and they were able to do the Peacock deal. But it, it's just dope. It, you know, sometimes you read headlines and you see certain think pieces upon, you know, people like Vince McMahon. And when you actually sit and watch interviews and see how they talk and talk about things and this, that, and the third, you get a, you get a better and deeper understanding of things. Um, it was an amazing interview. Those were a couple of key things that I wanted to point out. If you guys want to see the full interview, it is up on YouTube.com. Just go on www.youtube.com and search the Pat McAfee show, and you'll be able to see that interview with him and Vince. Um, let me see other than that that's pretty much it regarding the wwe meet news and recap and that also wraps up this week's episode you guys y'all already know y'all can follow me on all all platforms at elijah smalls um if you want to follow me on snapchat eli12401 um other than that, stay tuned. I'm going to be revealing the Eli's Hour of Power lineup um, real, real soon. So stay tuned to that. Other than that, 
I really don't have anything else to give y'all. So stay tuned. I will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. I love each and every last one of you guys. I live for each and every last one of you guys. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for checking out this week's episode. I will see you guys next week. Peace.